0: This podcast is produced by Unedited.
1: I just had to accept that there will be a lot of tears and I would accept that it is really all my work. There is no one to blame and it's, it's lifelong. So like when the pain starts, it is a bit of a lifelong journey. I'm not saying there isn't any joy, there's tons of joy and clarity you get from it. Life is better when you understand yourself more, but it, it is life's work. Hello and
0: welcome to episode 186 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a life coach who has previously battled with depression and anxiety, and I use my learnings and experience to help you find more clarity and happiness in life. And each week on this podcast, we hear the stories and tips from some of the most inspirational people in the world, learning how to take small steps every day to improve your mental, emotional, physical and spiritual health. But before we jump into this week's episode I just want to thank everyone who's been buying my book The Search for Clarity and who's been sending me such amazing feedback like honestly it means so much to me because there's so many personal stories and experiences of my own you know from my own journey and learnings through life and going from a negative headspace to now living in a place of clarity and happiness and it really means a lot that a lot of you are taking so much value from the book so I just want to thank you guys who have been in contact to say how much they've loved the book and what they've been learning from it and sharing all of the good stuff with me and if you want to get hold of a copy of the book or you want more information just simply head to thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity or if you're a kindle reader you can get a version via the amazon store so on this week's episode I am joined by Marvin Harrison who is the founder of dope black dads which is a community which has been put together to help support dads worldwide. And during this chat, we spoke a lot about the, the idea of identity of self versus the identity of being part of a wider society and finding the balance between the two because we all kind of strive to be part of this bigger picture. But ultimately, the focus always lies on ourselves in terms of what we can do and the impact we can have and the change that we can create in our lives. So during this conversation, we also spoke about the importance of valuing yourself how Marvin's mindset shifted when he became a dad, and changing narratives for future generations. So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, then be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Marvin. Thank
1: you so much for having me. Nah, all good, man.
0: We've been trying to sort this one out for a bit and we've just never got around to doing it. And then we uh weirdly we're asked to do an instagram live together for ted baker about men's mental health and <laughs> afterwards
1: we were both like we should do that podcast man <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. so like, I, I like talking to you alex can we just can we just talk to each other and it's fine now.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly just, we'll have our own conversation um but it's good it was a really good interesting um live that we did and i think it's still up there so if people want to go check it out it's, it's on the ted baker account isn't it um we covered loads like I was, I was really surprised how much we covered in an hour like it yeah. was we were flying through stuff which is really great um but i noticed as well i was looking for your your twitter the other day mm-hmm. and i noticed a, a post that got a little bit more attention than than most others and it was something you said where you said never confuse what you're offered with what you are worth and um, uh, yeah so what was, what was the kind of meaning behind that
1: it's, it's a weird one because sometimes um you know, like Dope Black has now got to, like I have a career in advertising and I have for ages, you know, being a strategist. Um, and there's a certain value that I have there. And then with Dope Black, it's slightly different. And but I, I know pretty much my value is there. But every now and again, someone will, will message me and just, um, like they they basically someone rang me. It was like this incredible sounding opportunity. And I was like, wow, I cannot wait. Let's like, tell me more. So I'm looking forward to this phone call. I get on the phone call and we're just like, Talking about this opportunity, it's just a couple of themes that were just like oh, okay, and it just sounded like this was going to be some sort of low value experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anyway, so we get to commercials, and then uh, you know I say where we're normally at, um, and it was just such an underwhelming experience because it weren't just like oh we got this wrong. Well like, actually let's look at it. <laughs> it was like we just we just there's nothing we can do. I was like the size of brand you are just is like. It's it, and look, I, I don't think everyone has to like you know look at what we do and think these guys are worth so much, but every penny that we generate goes back into our community. So I tried to make it a bit of a clear thing we're not like you can't negotiate us down to like it's not very much because it goes into like making this thing work. So, um, but I was just very disappointed, but then I also just thought like i know what i'm worth it's not it's not a reflection of what i'm worth it's just what they could offer and i can make a choice to take that of what they offer um because it still adds to what it is that we're trying to do um or i can ask somebody else to do it on our behalf I, you know just my, my mind kind of slightly adjusted to what was possible rather than what the, the offer meant Um, And so it was a bit of a reminder, I kind of hybrided the language slightly, but it was was a bit of a reminder to myself that it's not about me, it's about what that will allow us to do. And in the end, we didn't do it, but it it wasn't on those values. It was, you know, we were open to still finding a way to work. Um, And and actually, there's lots of people who are credible in terms of doing the work that we do for DopeLads that could have done it um, at that rate if I was unavailable. So it's just like
0: yeah I think it's interesting isn't it because it's like the, there's there's so much of that and it's really easy to understand when it comes in a business format like that in terms of like this is the amount we're offering uh, versus how much you see yourself worth as in you know a different amount a larger amount normally right but I think it's interesting how when you flip it into day-to-day life how it can still that can still be really true because like we forget this like it's not necessarily like the way someone shows up to us that creates our worth it's like we know our worth like we can't take that that thing personally so yeah I, I when I read it I read it from a different uh point of view which is why I knew it was business related but I was like I read it from that point of view and I was like that's really, it's really so true it's like so interesting how we can we can quantify it more because there's numbers associated to it as opposed to like an exchange of energy with a person or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And my thing is that I think there's two that come at you in two ways. There's people that are like, look, I love what you're doing. What can we do? And they want to just be affiliated, connected, help. Um, And then they may not have the budgets or be able to approve things, but they're like, look, we're going to throw all of our might at this thing and make sure people see this work that you're doing. And then it's different. And then, then, then we're talking about a synergy of values, which, mm. isn't, it, which isn't just about money. And then there's some people that are like, oh, we just realized that we haven't done anything black and as Black Lives Matter happened. Can you come and be our black thing? And like, we've only got this. And then it, then it, then it does become about value, a value or perception of blackness, but also a value perception of what we've built. Um, and then I'm a little bit more protective of, of what that is. And that doesn't mean that we will spend our time just doing these kind of like exchange of value ideas. But I I, I can tell by language um, and what the approach is, what, what people's intent are. Um, so I always ask, I actually put it in one of our decks that we send out to people is please don't try to barter over the, the money for especially for Black History Month when these numbers may increase because there are small windows where the value of backless increases yeah. to the actual just value of the, the regular value of what, what someone like me would be doing anyway. Um, and so at that point, please don't barter. Let's just like, let's just for 30 days, pay, pay me to turn up to the things that you need me to do to tell the things that we need to do. Um, and we can all be happy. And then we can negotiate in like November
0: yeah 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 i love that (laughs) it's it's funny because like we laugh but it's so true isn't it like there's so much like that gets associated to like certain things and you know for for anything black right it's always becomes a, a bigger thing around black history month like everyone wants to associate themselves to something and it's like yeah the value you know the 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 financial value should go up because the value that you're bringing to that brand or that person or that thing goes up for them in their eyes it's like why not and -hmm. it's again i think like when we look at it from from a interpersonal thing with other people take money out of it and it's like a relationship thing with people one way or the other you know work you know uh friends family partners whatever it is like that that still, to me, rings true. It's like just because someone's coming at you with a low energy or a low offering in terms of what they think you're worth to them, doesn't mean that your value drops any any lower than what it it should be. Like you yeah. should know your self worth. You should know yourself strong enough and have a strong enough foundation and understanding of yourself that no one can even question that about you, you know?
1: Yeah, that, this is why it's unworkable to be valued by anything outside of yourself. It's just It just literally doesn't work. And even well-meaning, well-intended people can be deeply offensive with, you know, just their bad ability to communicate, um, their, their violent communication, um, and the fact that they haven't really considered who they're speaking to or the context. I had a person the other day uh, ring me and be like if do you do you need some services about um you know what's that, what what, kind of, what did he say he said he was like um I've just i am just started I'm just training he was on an online training course and he has said that I'm basically training right now to deliver D&I um in the light of Black Lives Matter um and if you needed some of that I'll, you know I could love to help you and I and I, and I, I tried to originally look at at uh, first I was like that doesn't make sense because like I'm I'm literally it and we're doing this and we have all this data that we've gathered. So I think we're pretty well placed. And I was trying, first I was offended. I was trying to look for what the, the, the love in what he was saying. And really what he was saying is I would love to help. And it's something that was, he was excited about for him and he was just offering it out and the context didn't make sense. But the point is, is that he was coming from a good place mm. and that's kind of how you demark the difference between, um, I don't mean to swear, but Ephraim versus just like, you know, a miscommunication of what, you know, someone is trying to say. But on a whole, I'm pretty light with everybody because it doesn't really work to to drill into people with um these these kind of, you know, like what we're discussing is quite a complex layered approach to mm. value. And not everybody's there. So like I can't apply this to everybody. I, I apply it to myself and I understand what's at play, but I don't hold you to that, you know, regard. And so the, it's not like to be scared to, to ask me a question if I have the space, I'll explain it to you. And if I don't, I, I would just kindly say that's not for me. But, you know, I think the judgment is probably too, just too common in society anyway.
0: Mm, yeah. And what, what work have you done? Like personally, like as a human being to like understand that, that value of yourself?
1: Uh, there's a couple of things, but you know what, I think life, um, life's you in a way that, when your life isn't working you've got to ask questions and, and the questions have led me into insight of things and then there's courses that I've done and then there's reading that I've done there's you know there's books that have been really pivotal in just clarifying quite basic ideas and and, and I think the mixture of all of those things I think the key thing like when we talk about dope because when we launched dope like dads dope was like you are there it was like people who are running record labels and our fathers it's like yeah that's great but like you know, not everyone can be those that that type of society. That's like one percent stuff anyway for everybody. Um, and so it became more about your your openness to information, your openness to growth, and and so it's 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 almost like a suspended, like almost like un, intangible thing that kind of sits just above your head that you're open to accessing. And I think that became what dope was because when when we realized that we were challenged by something and we would, as a community of people in this space or in this container, talk about it. Like some people would shut down and hate the idea of change or hate the idea that men can't be uber masculine with nothing else. And, and and we just realized that actually that's not dope. No matter what your job Mm. title was or how you think you are with your kids. If your kids are saying to you, dad, I think you're wrong and you can't hear that, then that's not dope. And, And we're not doing a great job by our children. If we, if we make them wrong when they're right
0: yeah yeah i think it's so true isn't it i think you know we we get so caught up in our in our own principles that sometimes we fail to see even the possibility that our principles aren't correct or that they might need tweaking or that a shift is needed or a change and it kind of we put a like a barrier of like no this this is this is the way i see things and this is how it is but actually Like we all internalize everything differently. Like we all experience life in a different way, unique to us, unique to our experiences, unique to the stories we tell ourselves. So just because someone has told you that your perspective is possibly wrong, doesn't mean that they're right and you're wrong. It just means that maybe you need to shift that perspective a little bit or broaden it a little bit, open it up a little bit to see something in a different way, maybe. Um, and I think that's I, I, been a big
1: learning. I, I, point. Yeah, I think there's even a thing like, it depends what you're trying to enroll the person to do. So like, there's some things which you have, uh, let's say you have a business and you are trying to enroll somebody into your business. Your business is a fixed object. You know, you know what you want to do. You've market research, you planned it out. You inv- invite a partner in and you're telling them what the business idea, they don't like it. They don't get it now. There, you don't actually have to just be like oh okay because you've said this I'm going to change my business plan because you've said it you may just want you know what I'm not going to pivot my idea until I try it for 3 months mm. so I'm looking for somebody who sees it as it is for 3 months and then we're going to go and, and and then we can pivot it together so you know you can listen and still reject what people are saying to you, but you can't just reject anything that doesn't make you Mm -hmm. feel good. And I think that's the like divide that I'm trying to get to is making sure I'm always present to what's being said. um, And I can, I can look for what is it? Is it just misinformed? Is it said with love? And is there something that I can take from it? Is it workable versus just like, I don't like it because it makes my idea look crap. So I'm just going to reject it outright. And there's Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a balance.
0: How, How do you distinguish the difference then between like when, you are rejecting something because you don't like it or because maybe something needs tweaking or changing or, you know, the different perspective.
1: There's usually a feeling inside of discomfort with what's being said to me. And then that's when I know it's probably me. And if, if, if I don't, and also the language that they use when they're confronting me with the thing, uh, whether it come from their perspective or I and what they feel, Um, and the view that they take. And and also it's just like sharing views is like such a non-confrontational thing. It's like, we're almost just like presenting like pixie dust. Like my view is, is that I was trying to do this and your view was like, I'm trying to do that rather than like looking at each other and be like, my opinion is, Um, and that, that conflict of opinion versus a view is, is one that's commonly um, being used at the moment is weaponized and, and, and often causes a lot of conflict. So for me, my my views aren't me. I don't own my views. They're not exactly based on who I am. And if I get it wrong and my view is is thrown out, then that's my view thrown out, it's not me thrown out. Uh, and it's less personal than I can make out at a time. So I found that particularly helpful in having complicated. But I, I just think if you're around robust people, like if it was me and you working on something, and even if we thought about the whole thing differently, like, there's a, there's a respect of, like, the experience of the person. And I, I was saying this the other day, like, we, opinions used to be based on either I was there and I saw it and I think this is what was happening or this is my area of expertise and I spent 15 years mm-hmm. working on this subject matter and so my view of what's happening with this legislature is this. And, and, and we've kind of got to this thing of like, I've got 10,000 followers, my opinion is, and I've got to now give that the same weight as an expert, um, as somebody who was sitting there and most of the time those views are based on media life experiences trauma events you know who raised you where you were raised and they all shape this person's opinions and i now got to listen to that with the same weight as someone that's meant to be informed on the subject and i i find that really problematic in many ways and so i i, I do drown out a lot of things that aren't measured in terms of why they're there to, to communicate and, and i find it a lot more peaceful
0: yeah, I think it is. It's, it's 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 for me. It's like it sounds really bad. but It's just like not caring enough. Like either way. Like I really don't care if you think my opinion's wrong or vice versa. Like it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me that much because of there is a level of being entangled in that where you can get really caught up in anger and this and that and he said and she said and whatever. And I, I think we we we're living in this weird world, right? And I was having this conversation earlier, so it's really fresh, where. We live in this world where like follow account, for example, equals some kind of clout, right? But a lot of the time we have to be very careful about what that really means because some people have, you know, an uninformed opinion on something and it's their opinion, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that versus an informed opinion on something, which is also fine. I feel like we have to be careful with like what you're taking on board for yourself and seeing as fact or fiction or whatever, because there is a lot of like misconceptions out there that we are being taught through different people's opinions, like what is right or wrong. But that being said, the one thing you can never question is someone's experience in life. Like you can't tell me that my experience in life is wrong. And I can't tell you yours is wrong because that's your experience Like you can't, you can't question someone's experience, but sometimes the things that people are saying online can be real. Like, I saw this thing recently about um, certain foods, which are supposed to be good for you and bad for you. And I was just like, I don't know. I felt really uneasy about it. Cause it was like basically saying that fruit is bad for you and cake is better for you. And I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know if that's really, that's, I don't know if that's how it works. Even if you look at all of the stuff in it, I don't think that's how mm. it works. And, but the guy was saying it with such authority that people are like, obviously take it on board from some, some point of view. But I was like, Sometimes you have to do the groundwork yourself to look into stuff, and I think we do live in that fine space at the minute of like knowing what's right and what's wrong in terms of like fact and fiction. It's
1: yeah. I think. I think I think that that economy has been created by well two things really. The first thing is is that I feel like. The, the person that's got 150,000 followers from playing Call of Duty in their bedroom, in their pants, is, isn't is necessarily someone you then go and talk to about Black Lives Matter. And I think that often happens, that kind of misplacing of trust and uh, belief in people's opinion. But I also think there's this, this kind of other world that's been um, created from the people who are speaking, where if you say it clear enough and your your opinion is of a, of a strong polar, like opposite to something that's going on, then you are taken as an authority. So mm. if everyone's saying that, you know, David Lammy is a terrible um, um, uh, MP, but I'm like, he is the best and I have a long list and they'll, they'll bring me on BBC News and be like, tell us why you think David Lammy is the best private. And I, that's, you know, what I, I don't have any form of reason. I, I do, but I don't have, that person doesn't have any strong view as to what that is or clear experience as to why he can stand by that statement. And I, and I feel like it's so simple now to become an authority on a particular subject. It isn't based on anything. And I think, you know, I don't even speak from Marvin what, what my personal life tells me. I speak, when I go on these platforms from what my community speak about mm. and I take their views into this, into this arena. And these are now like thousands of people's views on a subject that are like amalgamated and put into a narrative, which I would then go and communicate. It's got to come from data or from experience or, 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 or from the actual what you've, you've witnessed. And I think it, it doesn't really work outside of it. So the measurement of does it work is, is the new, like, is it right, wrong, good or bad?
0: yeah and then how how do you how do you kind of like corroborate that when it comes to like dope black dads and you've got like a you know huge community of thousands you know around the globe and obviously the platform's there to, to to support and and everything but how do you how do you corroborate within the community like what what works what doesn't what's right what's wrong you know
1: yeah i think one of the things that's really obvious but probably is misunderstood, is that black people really aren't a monolith. And, and I know people have said this, but like if you experience black people at scale, the experience of being black in Britain has done different things to different people. There are some people who have done very well for themselves and pushed through a barrier um, Um, to be able to become what would be seen in the Western world as a success. There are emotional successes, there are physical successes, there are, you know, there's lots of different types of individuals who all have a different perspective to the same problem. There isn't a 100% agreement even on uh, Black Lives Matter, for example. And so it's, it's one of those things that I've realized that we, our job isn't to like, come up with opinions and, and opine even based on that, I think we have to listen to the things that we are all trying to do. And and, and so for example, you know, improving the outcomes of black families is is our is our motto, it's our vision. Um, and when we try to do that, the way we would do that, there are people who are earning six figures and more who would think that actually all we need to do is work harder, stiff up a lip, you know, we can do it ourselves, we don't need anybody. And then there are other people who are you know, earning 15K a year, 20K a year, who would say the government needs to contribute to the environment which is impacting us. The thing is that more black people do not uh, index in the lower income part of society. So that becomes almost like the black voice.
0: Mm. But
1: we're like, if we're saying improve um, uh, the outcomes for black families, both of those statements need to be true because I need to help Raheem Sterling, who's Mm. probably should be earning an extra 15%, but he's not because the way that marketing works is based on affinity of consumers. And if they don't have affinity because he's black and from a Jamaican cultural background, he's missing out on revenue that is going to Harry Kane, Messi, Ronaldo, because the person that's gatekeeping that just prefers them, thinks they're safer. Mm-hmm. And then we also need to look after the 15%, so that the bigger percent of people, probably the 60 70% of people who are in lower income uh, environments and need support, not only from the government, from our own community. And so when we, we talk about how we do that there now needs to be four or five tactics rather than just one. Um, and I think that's how we democratize the kind of impact that we we create for our community members is listening to all sides of it and accepting that we don't have one view of success, but um, it's a, it's a, it is a challenge. It may have sound simplified, but it's a real challenge <laughs> trying to get you know millions of people behind something that is ultimately trying to help them but not everybody can see it because their idea of help is different.
0: Yeah. And I what I love is, is the way, you know, you're saying that that like, there is so many opinions which become the one, but the one becomes the all. It's like this mad dynamic, this cycle almost that's just like continually to like go up and down in between. But I love the way that you guys have made it so specific to like fatherhood and you know representing those values in that space so like why why was that such a big thing for you like what was it about fatherhood specifically that you thought like there's something that can be done here to help influence these families
1: I, I, so i'll be very authentic I, I i built this out of a bad place for myself it didn't come from like a logical strategic approach to solving the problem with fatherhood i was sad i was struggling with parenting i wanted an environment where I could talk about everything that was impacting me, but I would be met with people who understood. So even if I was told and someone called BS on me, it's like, I know you get it though. I don't want to be yelled at by shouty, shouty man on Twitter. I want to be spoke yelled at by people who have lived my intersection, understand what it is to be a black father, understand what that means and the pressure that comes with us uh, uh, within our community, even if you're not even at the forefront of our community and be able to sit there and be like, look, I, that happened to me. I've considered suicide. I've um, had trouble with my partner, my wife. I've had trouble connecting with my kids. I can't get a promotion I'm always struggling with money, you know, and these are things that are prominent in our community community and, and, and to explain them to even a medical professional you know there, there was a story that one of our therapists who are in our group was saying that he was dealing with someone who was working in mid to senior government uh, and basically he he became a sellout to the black community because he had gone to a very good school and university and become this person. and So he disconnected from the working class black experience, but he also wasn't the white middle class, upper middle class experience. And so he lived in this kind of like space in between. Um, and then one day when someone, I think it was a white guy made a joke about him being well hung and like good with the ladies and like, you know, he just lost it and pulled his dick out and in they in, in a in a meeting. And then they tried to section him. And then this this health professional got brought in um, to, to help him and speak to him because everyone else was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, and then he was able to understand what that racial de- experience meant to him and how he didn't feel safe anywhere. And he was sick of being productized or being animalized by white people and being called a sellout when all we try to do is improve his life by another group of people. And so when you understand that as a black person, you're able to have nuance and be able to come up with a healthy diagnosis. So you can't just go to a white psychotherapist or therapist or psychologist and say, hey, I'm not feeling well because. The, the rate of our us being sectioned is, is ridiculously high um, so we need black therapists counselors and, and mental health professionals supporting what it is that our experiences and we're getting more and more of them now more than ever which is absolutely fantastic mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I've seen there's quite a lot that have been active as well like you know professional psychologists and stuff that being active online which I think really helps inform that narrative as well because sometimes you have to you, you have to you know you, you want to see people in a position of a being informed and educated like what we were saying earlier but also having some sort of clout that comes with it to get the best of those both worlds because then people you know like i said we live in this weird world where people see followers equals clout and not necessarily the education and experience but when you see get that that merriment of both especially in a public eye i think it really helps and i think that's that's great but I don't know, I feel, I feel like there's still so much a, like a big stigma around it. And I think, you know, particularly in like the black communities as well. And particularly with, you know, black guys, it's like, there's still such a stigma around like mental health and, and, and taking care of it. And like you were saying before, like being, you know, having to be strong all the time. And it's like, I don't know, I think a lot of that is changing, but it's still so much that needs to change because I, it's like-
1: I, I, th- I think the big challenge is accessibility. So like when you experience therapy, in a real way with the right people. When you go through the consultation and people are referring you, it's a very different thing than if you're forced to go. Mm -hmm. And like, if you go with your work or if you go because, you know, NHS has said that they want to examine you, the person that they're going to put you in front of is white. And psychology is based deeply in racism. Like a lot of the early psychologists and major psychologists were deeply racist and felt like black people weren't as smart, they had smaller brains and they were, you know, they had all these other tendencies because they didn't understand. And also it's like the, uh the black black well, i say african people are a lot more spiritual mm. than, than than not and so our spirituality was based in in voodoo um, and voodoo has been demonized as this kind of like black magic evil thing and painted as this really misrepresentative like religion whereas it's basically christianity the, the the way it's structured is very similar to uh, christianity you would you would pray to orishas and you know there's there's all these different the, the whole character and the, the the structure of it is very similar but it was ours and it was our way of keeping close to our center and our earth and we've been plucked out of that given a foreign um religion given a foreign foreign measurement. system of our our mental capacity and our ability and then just kind of like thrown into this world and even now we're in 2020 where people are like yeah but aren't we all just equal and what we don't understand is the legacy of all of those things have been generationally passed down and they still live in us it's not as simple as just like you know we take we've made it easy for you now go get a job and go be a ceo there's like millions of things that need to be repaired before that becomes so but that that's kind of what we're fighting with really in a bit of a long tail way
0: yeah yeah. and it's a lot and it's 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 so hard to unpack it all like that that's the thing that we 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 can start but it's very hard to like in a very short period of time anyway to unpack all of it and and to try and really shift the narrative so like what are you what are you guys doing to kind of help make that initial initial shift in changing narratives like in, in your community
1: yeah, even the change in narrative thing, we kind of evolved away from that because it was so centered in white, white opinions of us that it actually was never gonna serve us anyway. Like trying to change ourselves and like be, you know, more anglicized to make people feel comfortable that we're not savages. It just doesn't doesn't work with what we're doing. But what, what what I think we've been able to to own is actually creating a sense of community and bringing people together in a in a healthy framework. So things like, you know, in our dad's group, you can't show pictures of women and, like, say, oh, Rihanna's naked in this picture. How amazing is that? We don't talk about football. We don't talk about conspiracy theories. We don't talk about um, sexuality, religion, gender. The things that are here but aren't going to improve our lives, we've we've just taken off the table. And you get yellow carded or kicked out if you continue to, like, have those conversations. So creating a community, creating a framework for healthy communication, owning our own BS when we're, we're not, being powerful and we're not living our lives the right way um those things is going to create a generation or large group of people who have a international language of how to deal with each other and how to approach the world and i think that for me as a 1.0 is extremely powerful there will be things that create off the back of it but if we just draw a line in terms of what the historic psychosis of being back in these places is like we can just say actually I'm not looking for Boris Johnson for anything. I will challenge him because I pay taxes. I will write the letters. I will vote, whatever. But I'm not sitting there moaning at him on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then hoping that somewhere that he makes sense of what ways that we're trying to do. He doesn't believe in racial disparity. The Tory, they don't believe in it. They think race race is like a by the by it's like i'm wearing a red t-shirt today they think it's that simple and i don't have the time energy or desire to inform them of the magnitude of it but my belief is that they do understand it and they perpetuate it but they just choose not to acknowledge it which is fine we're going to do what we need to do and when the right time comes and every single juncture we will attempt to vote you out or move you out or make your life slightly more head- headache based and you do a bit more admin whatever it takes we're going to put the pressure on but mm. in the meantime our focus is on ourselves because. We're not going to get the results any other way I don't feel
0: do you, do you think then it's an important uh shift to, to focus more on on yourself like it, as individuals and as a community rather than always looking to the big picture
1: it, it you should be there anyway that's where we should all be and actually so then in the big, in the big scheme of, scheme of things race is unworkable it doesn't work because like even this conversation now is is like we 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 have never Discussed race as a like a reason to have respect for each other. Mm. It's unworkable as a concept. But when it plays a real it play well, uh, play role role in your life, it then becomes something you have to acknowledge. Otherwise, it starts this kind of like psychosis of uh, your experience. You're unsure about where you actually are. Day to day, there are white European people in my family. I love them incredibly much. I work with them. I live around them. I never ever consciously con- consider or even ex- acknowledge the fact that that our races are different until we get to this point of how we are collectively treated as black people. I will be reminded by social media. I'll be reminded when I'm driving my car and the police are supposed to be over. That's when I'm reminded that I'm black. It's when I deal with Britain as an institution, mm-hmm. when I deal with Britain as a people, I'm like, yo, What's going on with friends? What are we doing? They're sitting there talking about they love jerk chicken. We're sitting over there talking about, you know, they, there's a respect for the differences. I think as soon as you get into institutions and people take their views and, you know, media start talking about you, you don't realise that there's no respect for us even as human beings. And that does have an impact. And that's what we have to fix and fight for.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 true but again it's it's just a balance isn't it it's so it's so hard because it is you do have those daily maybe not even daily but maybe sometimes weekly reminders hourly. Of being, <laughs> well, hourly in some cases yeah being in the institution versus being just in your own space and within your own community and i think that a lot of it is like it's trying to keep the idea of like what we're saying keep keep on top of who you are and what you're doing and the things that you're representing in the in the close network around you but being aware of like the bigger the bigger picture right and i don't know for you if if that kind of idea changed as well or that perspective opened up to you more or you became more aware of it when you became a dad but like were there shifts for you around that time because you're kind of you you've started like almost a whole new chapter in your life and there's something almost more important than anything else that you're now faced with in terms of like raising a small person
1: yeah to be honest when i became a dad it just meant that it became urgent um i was aware of it but then i was like if i don't do something about this the person that i love the most in the world the person that i i want the best for is going to be impacted by this experience and for me it's just like I, i just desperately didn't want him to have to go through the things that i had to go to and go through and i just remember things like teachers Um, really demonizing me um, and making me this really evil Machiavellian character. And I'm like six years old, like I'm playing a game and you're like, you you know it and you did it on purpose. And I'm just like, what? And I I wore that cloak for for many, many years. And I, I was only able to move on from that maybe like 18 months, two years ago. And before that, I would I would constantly refer to myself as this sort of monstrous individual and almost play into it, like almost play up to that character. And so when, now my son's going to deal with institutions he's going to school. I'm preparing him and I'm, I'm being optimistic about Britain and Hackney in 2020 and their schooling. But if I get a whiff of the nonsense, I'm prepared to homeschool overnight. Mm. I have no qualms about removing and creating my own system and way. I always believe in Britain first, but I am not sitting here playing the pony dance where people were like, schools are great. What do you mean teachers work so hard? If you are a teacher and you grew up in Norfolk or something, and then you move to London and you arrive in Hackney and you deal with black people at scale for the first time, minority working class, deeply affected, emotionally uh, affected people at scale. You cannot tell me that you do not take your views from your favorite newspaper and put them into my children. So you know, I'm, I'm all for amazing teachers, but when they come from completely different parts of the country that has a role and has an impact. And and unless these teachers go through some sort of training or awareness or emotional development, I don't put, I'm not putting my houses on them. So um, Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm entering this with a lot of optimism for my son and we might be able to navigate it together and I can coach him. But if I can't, I have a plan immediately to extract him. And, and, and educate him in a much safer environment because he doesn't need school in 2020. The internet has destroyed the concept of needing school. School is a holding pen for human beings who mm. have to go and work. And so I'm not gonna sign up to that. I will rather find a alternative way of doing it. And then my job as a dad is to come up with a solution for how do I pay the bills and be around so that you can work a five hour day, but in a smaller environment and be able to be successful.
0: Yeah. And I think that's it, isn't it? I think I, I have a lot of grievances with the the education system. Um, and I think that when you look at it, the way you've just laid it out, it's a holding pen. I think it really is. Yeah. It's a holding pen for, for a lot of young people. And I think, unfortunately, we're not... I mean, like, the way I look at it is, like, when I started secondary school, it was, like, 1999 or something.
1: Mm. Like the, All right, sure enough, sure enough.
0: <laughs> no, but the, the, the stuff that kids are getting taught now in year seven is exactly the same as what we were getting taught when we started year seven, which would have been late nineties, right? Mm. Like how much has the world changed since 97, 98, 99 to 2020? Like like how much has the world changed in the last four months? Yet, The, the, the the school system and the curriculum hasn't shifted around that to accommodate these things. And I think that's ultimately where we fall down in terms Mm. of educating through schools, not all the time. Don't get me wrong, because obviously they they do do a good job in some areas. But as as when it comes to that wider picture, I can totally understand why you would say like if something happens, you're you're happy to extract and homeschool. Because I'd I'd be the same
1: yeah i think what what your listeners need to understand is like the the language and the the preparation for wealth creators happens in private schools it happens in those tiny rooms that we're not invited in and then everybody else is just there to work and fill up your your base it's kind of like an unknown agreement that we're going to put the wealth creators over here and say there's nothing special about grammar schools nothing special about private schools they're just another way of learning and you know and so they'll do that and part those over there and there's less people in them and then everybody else gets pushed in this pen um and then like just told to excel somehow and like you know in a room full of 30 people in an hour you're supposed to have learned something quite complex and if you don't get it you're put into a class and graded for the whole of your five years and told that you are second from bottom class and then we want that person to come out and be something like oh mm. my lord i um, the thing is is that look to, the, the benefit is two parent ha- households parents who are awake mums and dads who are awake dads specifically who are in their children's life won't allow that to happen in that mode mm, but enough. we will we will kick that door off yeah
0: exactly and i think you know we're we're seeing as of recording anyway what's happened with the the kind of a level results for a lot of kids is that when you put an over reliance on the results from an exam-based or a graded system, a lot can fall down when it doesn't go your way. And I'm not saying that, you know, obviously things haven't been handled the right way at all, but it just shows what an over-reliance on that creates in society. It creates a whole like panic of like, oh my God, now I can't do the thing that I want to do. But it's like, you can, you can do whatever you want to do. Like yeah. no grade stops you. Like I haven't got any grades from school. I left school with a D, E and a U as A-levels, <laughs> like, but I still ended up working at the BBC. So yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It doesn't, to me, it doesn't add up. And, and I get it, I get why it does for people, but to me it doesn't, right? And I think it's important to also understand that side as well.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but look, to, to kind of, to round off, one final question for you. Um, you mentioned earlier that you, you, you experienced some kind of shift sort of 18 months, 24 years, uh, 24 years, 24 months ago as, as, a, as a parent. So if we could go back to that time, yeah, what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment that maybe you didn't quite see at that time?
1: Um, at that time, I think, is the beginning of seeing it, is that I just had to accept that there would be a lot of tears, um, and I would accept that it is really all my work. There is no one to blame, um, and it's, it's lifelong. So like when the pain starts, it is a bit of a lifelong journey. I'm not saying that there isn't any joy, there's tons of joy. And clarity you get from it, life is better when you understand yourself more. But um, it it is life's work. Like you don't. It's not like oh, for two years I'm going to be in therapy and then I'm to be okay. That is the start of the like repairing of whatever happened to you back in the day and mm-hmm. as, as a child. And um, it can be very painful. I definitely have cried more in the last two years than I have as my whole life. Um, but I, I, I quite I, I love myself more, which I never would have said about myself before previously. So um, I'm really, really glad I was able to do it.
0: Love that. I love that. Um, so to let the people know where they can kind of keep up to date with you online and where they can find out more about Dope Black Dads, um, where is the best place to find out? Uh,
1: so you can find me at Marvin Harrison on Twitter or at underscore Ma- Marvin underscore Harrison on uh, as well and then there is uh dope black dads on everything if you google Dog black dads there's a really good trail of like finding me on on pretty much any platform but uh i am at marvin Harrison.
0: nice and we'll link that all up in episode notes as well so thank you for your time today it's been wicked um and yeah, man, uh, best of luck with everything. And I hope, you Thank know, you, man. The community Let, continues to grow, you know.
1: Let's just do part two in about about a year's time or something because I feel like we could have we could have done more, but we, we're constantly being eroded by time and my tardiness. <laughs> but uh, I very much appreciate you, Alex.
0: No worries, man. We'll do a, we'll do a part two for sure at some point. Absolutely. Take Thank care, you, man. Bro. Have a good day. So there we have it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Marvin. Um, there was such amazing stuff in there, really. I really like the idea of, you know finding yourself within a society and what that means and how you can always bring that that shift of the impact of being part of something bigger than yourself and an institution or a society or a community whatever it is but you can also always bring that shift back to yourself to really make the impact that you want so if you like what you heard in this episode then please be sure to leave a review or even better still go and hit the subscribe button so that you get the latest episodes straight to your phone And if you know someone who you think would really value listening to this episode, then be sure to send them a link or a screenshot because it's important we continue to spread the important messages like episodes like this. I started this podcast because I wanted to inspire a positive change. And you can also be a part of that by sharing the love with someone you know. So as ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. Come and say hello. Come and let me know what you learned about this episode or what was your favorite part of the episode. Come and hit me up on Instagram and let me know. But until then, thank you for listening and I'll see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.